For the first time ever, I am thrilled to say we have an official sponsor for the Dirk Talk podcast, and that's Ariat. I've worn Ariat boots on every job site I've visited over the years, traveling in them across five continents. More importantly, I have yet to find a single project where working folks, unlike me, are not wearing Ariat boots and workwear in every condition imaginable. And there's really good reason for that. And that's because it's phenomenal stuff. And the more I've learned about Ariat and the company, the more I've loved their brand. So with this, Ariat is offering any Dirt Talk listener 10% off their next Ariat order at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk. That's 10% off boots, jeans, and workwear at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk or at the link in this episode's description. With that, let's get to the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Dirt Talk. And today, I talk with Mr. Britton Lawson. He is the... He's like manager of construction technology at Vite Contracting, a builder partner. Um, we've talked about Vite on the podcast before. They're fantastic. We we need to get Jesse from Vite on the podcast, Alex. He's been uh, hosting the internal podcast at Vite and is doing a great job. He'd be great on our podcast too. Yeah, let's get him on the Dirt Talk podcast. Okay. But but Jesse's not on the podcast today. It's Mr. Britton. Um, Britton has a really cool outlook on technology because he started as an operator and now he oversees the entirety of technology for a very large contractor for Vite. And that's grade control, that's software, that's drones, that's anything technology is within his world. He has a really, really cool uh, perspective on it all. He offers up some really good advice uh, as far as how to get people on board with technology. And I sincerely enjoyed this conversation and I hope you do too. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation, this Dirt Talk episode with Mr. Britton Walsh. You, you've been on a podcast or two, haven't you? Yeah, Con Expo, I think. Yeah, that was about the only one. The Con Expo podcast. Yeah. Um, have has the internal Vite podcast come out yet? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. Really? I, I am. Yeah, I like it. I think it'll be really good. I think. Um, I think it's premature, and it's like it's such a new idea, but I think it's got so much value, so potential. So the first six have been really, really good. So Jesse good. does a really nice job. So Jesse's great, huh? Yeah. Uh, have you listened yeah. to it or not? Nope. I yeah, have not. No, I. Uh, you know, I, I probably should at some point. I'm, you see, the problem is I'm not, uh, I'm not really filled in on the, the current happenings these days. Right, right. You're not in the, the day-to-days. No, yeah. I am at an increasingly scary rate falling out of the, the day-to-day. I know how you feel, honestly. It's kind of weird. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of is. You're yeah. out front leading the charge and you know, everybody else is in the trenches doing the, the duties, right? So. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, but it, that that's what has to happen when you're growing. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a good thing, I guess. Yeah. 
No, I think it'll be a good thing. I don't, uh, once it catches on on the, uh, the podcast for Vite, I think it'll be a, a great communication tool for the internal happenings. So get to good. know some of the, the whole team versus your siloed departments and things like that. So, Yeah, and especially for people out in the field, it's probably hugely valuable because you're at least in and out of the office, the main office there. So you have right. kind of a, a ear to the ground, but m- some people, like if you're in Milwaukee, Good oh, luck yeah. knowing what right. the hell's going on in the company. Oh yeah, absolutely. Just getting to know some of like the, the mechanics, the tenured mechanics that have been there and some of the other marketing like Lindo is on. And so yeah, I think it'll be a good thing. Good. So good deal. Um well, uh, have you listened to the Dirt Talk podcast before, Britton? I have a couple times. Most Very of good. them. I fell uh, off there. You guys have pretty good cadence coming out. So <laughs> uh yeah, yeah. We've well, ever since Alex came on board, he's really cleaned this whole operation up. Right. It was just me in charge before. And, <laughs> and when I'm in charge, nothing really happens all that well. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. So you yeah, hire but, people better than you, right? Uh, that's the whole point. Yeah, but Alex, right. done a, he's done a great job. And I'm not just saying this because he's going to listen to this and edit it. But um, that's been a huge help. And then now that we have our studio. Yeah. I think it's going to go from here to here. Yeah, I'm excited to see it grow. So yes. I was kind of bummed. I kind of bummed. Dimensions got canceled, but wouldn't have mattered anyways. The studio or the, the office wasn't done yet, anyways. So that's yeah. But I'm I'm annoyed that they pushed it. They just got rid of it. It's not even. They just all right. We're just going to get rid of Nashville and go right back to Vegas. I was really bummed to hear that they were going back to Vegas too. I was yeah. stoked to go to Nashville. But has anyone yeah. told them no one likes Vegas? I told oh, I don't Scott. like Vegas. Yeah, yeah I told them. <laughs> yeah. Like Con I'd Expo. Go to Nashville. <laughs> Look, yeah, give give Vegas to Con Expo. Go go do something else. We don't right? need to keep going back to Vegas for everything. I don't know. <laughs> I, I just want to go there every three years and call it good. Come in, see the equipment, and get out. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, grand scheme grand scheme we're gonna have a badass event one day in nashville that'd be awesome annually oh even better mm-hmm. even better yes so where you get your own equipment yes oh yeah count me in then that's and <laughs> so that's why i really like dimension I, so i i appreciate con expo for its scale but dimensions is, in my opinion, more enjoyable because of the equipment you can run. The hands-on, yeah. The hands-on, it's totally yeah. different. Yeah, yeah. When I, I shot, I've been going to dimensions for, I don't know, it's probably ten or eleven years. I mean, the every other year, right? But my first dimensions was years and years ago. So from where it's come to what it was to where it's come, it's you couldn't run equipment back in the day, and now you can run equipment there, and it's. Yeah, it's kind of a game changer. So, yeah, I and and it's not like it's three excavators that you have to wait in line for. Uh, it was every brand of every kind of machine out there with tons of room, with all different scenarios they were in. It was you could spend days running all different kinds of equipment, all different scenarios, learning mm-hmm. so much at Dimensions. Oh, yeah. yeah, well, and Cat took advantage of it for the. The, the launch off of their, what was the XE or the... Um, yeah. Yeah, the so whole new that, D6 product line, which is a, yep. a big freaking deal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
it's hard because there's so much good content in the classrooms, but then they, to get out into the field and actually get your hands on some stuff, it's hard to schedule everything, but yeah, take advantage so, yeah. of it all. Me, I, like I said, I'm an idiot. So I just go out in the field all day, every day. <laughs> That's where I met you. Was, yeah. That was the first time I met you. Yeah. I think, man, I was just talking to Shamrock Sean about this too. Cause I met him at, I met a bunch of guys at Dimensions. That yeah. was like my first that was my first industry event I went to as Buildwit. Oh, yeah. Because I'd been yeah. to Con Expo before. I'd been to Mine Expo before, but both of them were pre-Buildwit. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Because I remember, I think the first Con Expo you went to, I think you were still posting about it. That's where you snuck in, right? Yeah. But yeah. I was, I, the photos were old because I started Buildwit after that. And oh, so sure. I had all these photos from Con Expo. That they yep. I then I then posted, but yes, those were uh, those were some of my most liked photos to begin with. Were were Con Expo, twenty seventeen. God, that's a long time ago. Man, that You're goes fast. Me. It grows. You're telling me. <laughs> um, what what is your formal title at at Vite? Uh, Director of Construction Technologies. Director of Construction Technologies. Mm-hmm. Where where did you start out in the industry? I was a dozer operator. So I really? went to, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to school for heavy equipment operation for 13 weeks, got a job running, uh, running equipment. So I dug basements for a summer. I put utilities in the ground, backfilling on a utility crew for a summer. And then, uh, then I got into building roads. So I did that for five, six years. No kidding. Yep. Wow. So you got a job as an operator basically right out of high school. Um, no, I went to school for heavy equipment. So I had the, the 13 well, weeks there. Yeah. But then yes. right after that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So high school, heavy equipment school, 13 weeks, but basically right out of high school. Yeah. Pretty much. Yep. Huh. So did you grow up around equipment? No, no, I didn't. My, uh, I guess the only, um, life experience with equipment was farming. So it was always uh, my uncles have some farms out in South Dakota. So I kind of grew up around farming a little bit just in the summertime. So, um, but it was always a passion of mine. I always, I did, uh, I had a sandbox through high school. So I collected all the models and everything else. I did a, it was just a passion that I followed and I just was always enamored with heavy equipment. That's all I wanted to do was run equipment. So what do you, what do you think it is about die cast models and grown men? <laughs> I have no idea, but they are fun to collect. <laughs> uh, yeah, yes. We we uh, have some in our office and I need to go buy some more. And right. I am so excited about it. And and, oh, yeah. and to like peruse the catalog or like see which new equipment's out. And and then you have the different brands. It, it's And I'm not even that into it compared to some people. No, well, you got do you have to stick to a scale and everything else? Like I was... Yes. I always grew up with 116 scale and I was like, ah, oh, I got to have the biggest and the best. And now everything's kind of like that 150, 132. And you're like, oh God. So, no, yeah, I love it. I don't know. It's fun to just have on there when you walk in somebody's el- somebody's office and you got all these die cast models sitting up there. Like, where'd you get that one? Where'd you get that I one? I know. I know. <laughs> so, it's, well, and, and funny enough, I have a Vite excavator. Yeah. Those are hard to come model. by. Yeah, yes. those are really hard to come by. <laughs> yeah, so Tracy Tracy gave it to me when I first visited you guys, and I was fired up. I got to cho- choose an excavator or a dozer, and it's it's branded yep. like your guys's machines on the field with a red bucket and everything. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, that was done for the 90th. We did our 90th um, celebration there and they, they did up a, a whole pallet of them. I think our paint shop actually did, did them all. So that's what they said. Yeah. Yeah. What, what so. can't your paint shop do? Not a lot. Not a lot. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to that and sell it one day. Yeah. It'll be worth something. Probably is right now. <laughs> uh, probably. Um, yeah. It's just the diecast model thing. I, I just don't like to a normal person. I, I, I wouldn't be able to explain that all that well. No, no. And make it and make it sound cool. My three-year-old, he he loves them. He wants. Can <laughs> yeah. I have that one? Can I have that one? Yeah. No, no, yeah. no, no. These are yours. <laughs> These are dad's. <laughs> so he loves it. So yeah. I, Do you have I, any idea how expensive these are, kid? Right. Exactly. I, I gave him. I appeased him. I gave him all of my old Tonka trucks. I kept all my own Tonka trucks from when I was a, a kid and gave them all to him. He they're all handed down now. So he he's got some. He's got enough to play with right now. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So you're, you're a dozer operator, um, for five or six years. And then where are you at from there? Are you in the union when you're, when you're working as a dozer operator? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I was, uh, I joined, joined the, uh, the local 49, um, operators union union around here is, I mean, it's, it's fairly prominent, prominent, I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah. it doesn't have the same stigma as you will as other regions i think it's pretty laid back um but yeah so i ran equipment for for a company called pci we did all infrastructure roads um airports um so it kept me busy but uh, it from there i went actually back to school and visited my my instructor and he's the one that kind of got me into technology and he showed me a video from a, a contractor down in iowa that had adopted the the trimble and cat workflow and and i was just blown away by it so it's kind of went after all of the uh the technology and the equipment and um that company actually bought a dozer for me and and yeah so my first dozer is a d6n they put my name on the side of it and everything so and ran one of the tri- first trimble machine control dozers in the uh in the cities so it was uh it was a fun time when when was that what year 2004 somewhere in there oh oh yeah so that was five yeah real early on in the trimble days Mm -hmm. so they had just moved to the big antennas away from the the frisbees on the the antennas so i don't know if you remember those so no yeah so now now they've got that big monster antenna out on the blade or on the cab they used to have just like a frisbee or a dish flying saucer out on the on the dozer blade so that was the early renditions. How did you how did you learn how to use grade control originally? Was it just you know did you just do it? You figure it out? I mean, in a sense, yeah. I think so. Um, when I found out about grade control, I went to Ziggler's, and they put me in touch with the, their salesman. And I that was exactly what I was looking for. Is can I just get experience? How can I learn more about this? Um, and so he actually put me in contact with um, the training center. And the training center for the, the union had a uh, GPS program. So I ended up going to that for two days and they just had models out in the field and built a, a little pond and a little road and everything else. So it was just mainly hands-on from there. So, um, and the, from there, just kind of learning about it and understanding it, I was able to go back and talk and talk my, the company I was working for to, to buy one and invest in the technology. So, and kind of from there, it, like I liked it so much and I thought I saw so much value in it. I, 
um, I told the union, I was like, if you guys ever looking for somebody to help train, you know, look me up. And so that next year, uh, I ended up getting in and teaching all the rover and all the machine control for the training center. I ended up doing that for 10 years. So no kidding. Yeah. So we taught, I did all the, the Trimble Rover, Trimble machine control and Topcon Rover and Topcon machine control for the, the union and just kind of brought that program up, um, kind of from the, from, from where they had it before to more of a classroom base to multiple days, a few other things kind of evolved it a little bit. So it was, that was, that was full time. No, I would only do it for two weeks in the, the winter time. So their training season is, you know, basically from January until March. Right. Okay. So, um, yeah, I would just take two weeks off of work. I was laid off for the moment when I was an operator, I was laid off. So it worked out really well. And then I started getting side winter work. I'd be, I ran the snow cat or snow groomer down at our, our local ski area. So I'd groom all night, drive up to Hinkley and teach all day, take a two hour nap, go back grooming. So, um, so, but yeah. And then when, when I started working for Vite, I just end up taking two weeks off to go to the training. Um, and then I, the program needed to evolve and grow and I was getting too busy at Vite. So I, I kind of took a step back and, and let somebody else take it on and, and helped out on the side when I could, but, um, we still, we still donate equipment up there for their, their day training. So we'll donate a GPS backhoe or GPS dozer for them to, uh, to learn on. So it's the best way to do it is just hands-on get on the machines, take on an example model and, and just go through the trials of it. Right. Yeah. That's, <clears throat> that's the problem with teaching anything in this industry is it's hard, hard to teach a whole lot without the hands-on time and experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it's time in the seat. I mean, it's if you want to gauge somebody's experience, how many hours you got in that? That's everybody's pride and joy. Is how oh, I got ten thousand hours in this piece of equipment, and it it really does speak volumes. In more in more in more in some cases than others, but it does really speak volumes to to how much time it takes to get good at running some of these pieces of equipment. So, when did you find Vite? How'd you find Vite? So, I mean, throughout my, my career, um, I had, had worked on the road. So I, I did work for another contractor for another five, six years that I was working, uh, army Corps, a lot of army Corps jobs and, and, um, uh, doing levees and, and low flow channels and just a lot of flood control. Um, so I was able to use Topcon there for five years, um, and just get experience on that. But being on the road, I, wanted to be home. So I, I changed companies for a year and I was a, a general superintendent at a local smaller outfit. But, um, then one day Jesse called my, my current boss and said, you interested in coming and doing surveying and machine control and strictly that. And I said, yeah, <laughs> I am. So it, it was, it was more, I followed a passion. I followed a, a, a work-life balance. I followed a, a lifestyle. Um, you know, I found myself in all my other positions, always coming back to the technology. I was always kind of the guru, the go-to guy to work with, you know, how do we, how do we do better or something's wrong with it? They were, the guys are always calling me. So it was always something I always um, migrated back to and, and saw so much value that I kind of wanted to be a part of it. So when the opportunity to, to work with Vite at the, at the time, they were a, a leading contractor with, with technology and, and everything else. So it was just a great opportunity, a great fit to go um, and basically just solely focus on technology and, and the grade control. So, which is when? What what year was that? Uh, I think been there about seven years. So, oh, what was it? Okay. Somewhere in there, twenty 
2015, yeah. 2014. But I, I think Vite's desire to bring you on full time to focus on that speaks to how seriously they take the whole technology thing. Yeah. You guys, I mean, it's 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 no joke. It's pretty crazy how much technology you guys and. Uh, Every construction company loves to say, "Ooh, yeah, technology. This tech, we we have the best technology." It's like, mm, okay, just because your time cards are now on an iPad doesn't mean you're Mister High Tech, dude. But you guys, across the board, it's very serious at Byte. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's. I mean, the the field drives a lot of it. So when I got hired, there was two people on the team, and there was an opening um, that happened. Um, Unfortunately, so I, I I got to be that second person um, added, you know, in a replacement. So it was always a, a team of two at the time. So they had already really invested in in that journey in the technology. But we've grown it to a fully connected workflow. We've grown to ninety assets, you know, from machine control to um, rovers. I think we have about forty five rovers and forty five pieces of machine control, not including rentals. You know, and that's everything from excavators, scrapers, motor graders, and obviously dozers. So, and skid steers. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of it's field driven, and a lot of it's the people in the field going. You know, I need a rover. I need machine control. I need to do this because they see the value of it. They see how um, how much time it saves them. So, it's it's really a, a culture. It's how we do it. It's what we. It's how we want to do our projects. It's how we approach our projects. So, it's been a huge asset or a huge. Um, asset for us. So you guys have great control across the board, which is cool, but increasingly common these days. But you guys just from a techno technological standpoint, you're, you're not over just grade control anymore. You're over everything technology within the business. Yeah. So I work under the operations umbrella and I was just talking to Jesse about this the other day and just like how many facets we touch. So my day starts out with a survey team every morning at seven 30, we have a team huddle. Um, so I basically assign all of our projects and kind of organize everything to the, the guys doing it. So we have a team of three currently two that kind of, um, build models and do support on the hardware. And then we have, uh, one that does some models and a lot of the field, uh, field support. Um, but from there, my day kind of mitigates over to um, fleet management, at, uh, implementing fuel cards, uh, the uh, the office, uh, the field to office workflows were heavily invested in HCSS um, for for bidding, for uh, field tracking, for all of our dispatch, all of our our mechanics are on on E three sixty. So I'm kind of that uh, that that internal champion for, for all of those products to how they work. I mean, we have an IT infrastructure and IT team that's very good at the back end, and we have the, the front facing the computer or the, um, the, the user interfaces or the end users. And that person in the middle is kind of myself in terms of what, what features do we go after? What features are we implementing? Um, and then how do we support those and how can they be beneficial? So between, uh, there's a group of us that you know focus on the heavy job focus on there's another group that focuses on the fleet management and the mechanics and everything else and i'm kind of those support for for all both of those teams so it's it's been a good thing um just to see the the technology te- technology evolved and how we're using the data um, to better ourselves um in terms of how we approach projects how we approach fleet management um even how we how we approach our fuel, you know, we we just implemented a fuel card system or a fleet card system for all of our 
uh, front office and back office um, expenses. So it's, it's f- on a day to day, no, no day is the same, you know? So it's, and you, you touch every department. Are you careful to give out your phone number? Cause will you just get calls <laughs> saying, Hey, I'm in the dozer and my, my damn GPS won't work. Uh, you know, we make our money by pushing dirt, by loading trucks. Right. So if I can help a dozer operator, figure out their GPS system or make them, you know, empower them to be just a little bit more confident in it. And I am happy to help. I will drop anything for the field. So mm-hmm. it's like, that's where I started. I've, I've been there. I, I know what it's like to be in a situation where you're, you're staring at 25 trucks and something's broken or you got to have layout. Like I understand that stress. Um, so I think it helps me, you know, understand what these guys are going through in the field. So it's it, at the bottom line, my job is to support those guys. So I'll take those dozer calls every day to, to show somebody how to use a GPS and have that aha moment. I feel like you don't really understand stress until you you're in an excavator dozer with just trucks up your ass the entire day. <laughs> <laughs> I think the good guys manage your stress the best. They may not be the best operators, but they manage their stress the best. <laughs> so uh-huh. so I've, I've had had the pleasure of working with a lot of them. So blade operators, I think, have got they're they're a special breed because <laughs> usually they'll they have are. trucks and a paver, and they'll have to get it spot on. So usually the blade operators a lot of times have the same personality, though. Yeah, they're yep, they're pretty calm, cool, and collected for the most. I mean, they are. Yep. Uh, now that you say that, most of the best blade operators I've ever known, they don't talk a whole lot. Nope. They're just they're very patient, meticulous. They yep. just do their job. They don't complain. But when they do, you better listen. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so. Oh yeah. Well, they they know that they're they're kind of the ones making the money out there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, fine grading or finished grading is an art. I mean, it's. A, I mean, yeah. it's it's not just a matter of just hitting the blue tops. It's a matter of of preparing the materials. So, you know, when you, when you roll it, that you have, you're able to pass the the roll tests or the DCPs or whatever it may be. Like it's definitely an art uh, to, to blue top something. It's not just a matter of, of clipping blue tops all day long. So. With data. Yeah. Where did you guys start to explore data initially? Cause I know with the whole data thing in this world, it is a, big can of worms, Huge. a very big can of worms. And I think contractors get very overwhelmed when they look at all the possibilities and these tech companies talk about all the things you can do. Yep. How did you guys originally approach data? And I actually, funny enough, I, you, you might've been on this call. I led something for AEMP yeah. a few months ago, yep. talking about data and telematics and this and that. And yeah. this is something they talked about on that call. Yep. So Specifically for Vite, where did you guys start when it came to data? Um, so we've been invested in HCSS for 15 years. We used to use it on the um, laptops and we went into iPads. And we used it for a very, very long time as a fancy time car tool, um, full transparency. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until about two years ago, three years ago that I came into my position. Um, and then uh, I have a, a cohort, again, doing the same thing more on the project management side that Jesse kind of created these positions for the operations group to be able to take on some of the software and really like how you say data, just really get down and drill down on the data to really make it work for us. So like for me, 
Um, I started on what I felt the most comfortable with, which was the fleet. So I went after E360 day one uh, and just started getting those guys to understand the data that's involved with it, how it, how, how it can benefit them, how, you know, and starting, uh, I kind of, I set a goal for the end of like what the end game is and then kind of work back from there of what we need to do to implement, to get to the data, to the point that we need to. So it's, you know, I mean, a number one is it's, um, accurate, timely, uh, reporting, you know, for the mechanics. So that was all of our, our, um, our meters, it was their work orders. It was, you know, it was being able to look back in that fleet history, maintenance history. So these mechanics could walk out to a dozer and go, okay, the operator talks about a fuel injector. I can go look through that history right on my iPad and go, oh, it's the number four fuel injector was already replaced. Either they can go look at it and see that it's working and just know that it's already been replaced in one, one piece of information, one centralized location. Um, or to be able to go on to the next thing or, or just the data in terms of how fast they can make a decision, um, I think is, is, is some of the biggest benefits for some of these systems. So like you say, there's so much data, you really got to break it down into small data and, and, and get it into something that actually meaningful, meaningful so that you can make actionable decisions on the data. So it's got to be timely. So pre, you know, historically we've been we've been going off of data that's out of our ERP, or our viewpoint system, our, our um, accounting system, right? So that data is a week and a half old. So if we can't get data the day of or the next day, we can't start making decisions on stuff to start mitigating problems early on. So we were reliant on this data that was a week and a half old. Payroll would run, it would go into our systems, and then we'd be like, oh, we're losing money. And then you'd start making plans from there, and you'd be getting resources. And by that time, that data is two weeks old, and you've lost money for two weeks. So if we can get our data current and timely, then we can start making actionable decisions on a daily basis or on a weekly basis, and we can know the score of the game on that day and may start making decisions early and bring in resources because of uh we're a team this is how we approach the the projects right so bring as many resources in to start uh mitigating losses or anything else in in that those scenarios so do you have a like a tangible example of that from recently um yeah so we were we were down on a landfill down in iowa i think two years ago or a year and a half ago and we were looking at the data on a daily basis we were figuring on um a different load quantity and so then we were getting that data every day looking at it and then we flew the flew it with the drone and we were able to see that our, our loads were a little bit different so we had to make uh, a, a change on the fleet i think we ended up actually changing to off-roads and some in the in the scenario in those areas uh, we were still able to run the tractor pans but it was we weren't going to get the numbers or we weren't getting the quantity in our scrapers that we thought we were going to or what we bid it at because of the material so we were able to make a change early on to um, keep our productions high and mitigate that loss versus running for scrapers with two year or for two weeks. So yeah, so the alternative would have been you would have figured it out two weeks down the road. Yep. Which two weeks of a scraper spread running that hurts, or worse, you would have just run scrapers the whole damn time. Exactly. Well, you would have gotten to the end and you're going, oh well, we only have a week left. What's the point in bringing the off roads and the excavator down, right? So exactly. Yes. So we can stop yeah. the bleeding How, early. Is there, 
Do you have to be nuanced in how you present that information to people in the field? Um, yes and no. I mean, it, some days, yes, it's, it, it all depends on what the data is, I guess. Um, some guys are very, uh, they want the data. All of them want the data that am I making money? Am I not making money? Some of them are old school and they're like, this is just the way you're supposed to do it. This is just the way you do it. So it all depends on yeah. who it is. Um, for the most part, I feel like it's, it's, it's been very well accepted because, guys have a true pride in making money or doing good, right? These guys are building every single day. They want to, they, they think that they have the most efficient way in their head. And if they can back that up with numbers or the data um, based on the bid or based on the numbers that they're getting in all actuality that day, I think it's been a huge thing for them. So I'd say the majority of our, our crews are actually wanting the data um, to the point where we're having to go up and update the budgets from the, the project management side so that as things change throughout the project that, I mean, it's one thing that we're working on actively is just making sure that everything is current from the project management side to the, to the input side on the, um, uh, from the field. So what if, so this is all obviously very important and it, it honestly surprises me that more companies, bigger companies don't have dedicated positions like you, they'll have survey folks building models and that that's, that's pretty common now, but they don't have a champion for technology within their businesses, which I think is a huge mistake. But what if I'm, I'm a smaller company and I don't have the resources to hire a Briton, uh, but I know that I need to better implement technology, whether that be soft more software or grade control or telematics and then use that data, how would you do it on a, on a smaller scale? Do you think? Um, you know, that's a good question. And I, and I've been asked this question quite a bit. Um, one thing I will say is I think smaller companies that are just getting into the data or getting into the technology, I would say probably have a little bit of an advantage because right now I am trying to break 15 to 20 years of habits. This is the way we've always done it and bad data. Um, so I can't really, and that was all off of stuff that was antiquated technology uh, of today's technology. Right. So that's just the way they had to set it up. And then, and then nobody evolved it and championed it, uh, throughout that entire process. But I would, I would empower an individual in the company. Um, I think you have to have somebody within the company, whether it's their main task or not their main task that, um, keeps up to date on all of the processes, the uh, evolution of the softwares to keep up to date on all the, the feature releases so that you can evolve with the softwares. Um, I can think at some point you've got to figure out how the technology works for you and your company. It's not, it's not a one size fits all. Like, you know, you're, you're going to use 50% of some of the softwares and that's okay. Um, but you have to have somebody in, in, in-house formally designated, like this is yours, own it. I know that you have, you're, you're estimating your project managing, but 20% of your job is this and allocate resources accordingly. Cause mm-hmm. all grade control programs, like if you look at a grade control program, the ones that just let a superintendent or project manager, you know, manage it they're in their head, they're making, they make money by project managing or, or general superintendent or, you know, running jobs. Right. So the, the GPS is always going to fall to the, to the wayside. The, the support calls are going to fall to the wayside. I need to get this excavator there is going to, is going to trump a, 
um, a support call or, or going out to you know fix fix a unit. So I think having that champion is your number one success um, within a company. Is it helpful if they have field experience? Would you prefer them to have field experience? Because I feel like that's somewhere that you probably excel as being able to relate to a dozer operator, hundred percent, or a foreman or something like that. Yeah, I think it helps a lot, and I think. I mean, it's a fine line because you know you have field experience, but maybe you don't have the techie computer background in terms of you know running yeah. a, a computer, right? Or True. you have somebody that's really good at IT infrastructure and can run a computer and and knows the models like the back of their hand, but they don't they've never sat in the seat of that dozer. So I would prefer, like me personally, just mainly based on experience, and maybe I'm biased. Is I would I would kind of lean towards having a field person and bringing them into the technology because I think you can teach the technology and the computer side of things, but you really can't teach that feeling of the the field experience in terms of how like how are they using this stuff? How are they overcutting the curb? Why are they overcutting the curb? You know, like why are they putting it in a tenth high to to um, account for compaction? All of those things I think get lost in somebody that is just purely looking at a computer screen or that's been their entire their entire history, like a, a, an engineer, for instance. So, I guess even bigger picture, if they didn't have the field experience, they'd at least have to have a pretty good sense of humility Yeah, to know that even if they were right with their data, uh, just because they're right doesn't mean that everybody's going to listen to them right away. Exactly. And, and kicking and screaming about it's not going to get you very far with, with, the crowd out in the field. No, no, they will. Uh, they'll call out your your uh, your bullshit pretty quick. So, <laughs> yeah, it's you. You made you made an interesting point before this too. In that, I, and I was just arguing this with someone the other day, and they their point was, okay, since construction is so capital intensive, you need so much capital to go build things. Um, a big company is with a lot of capital that's well established is obviously better suited in a particular market than a smaller company. But my counter to that was, well, if you're a smaller company that can leverage technology to build a lot more effectively and efficiently, you can eventually start to eat that big company's lunch because they're operating so much less efficiently Mm -hmm. that you can still bid very competitively while making more money than they could because you're just you're you're more efficient. Yeah, they, I mean they have they have less overhead. They have you know there's less people to tell about the the to communicate with. I mean that's yeah it's a big thing. You get into a bigger company and it's how do you keep all the parties um, up to speed? How do, how do you communicate everything that you're you're working with? Right. So I would I would agree a hundred percent. As long as you can find a a company that can find a smaller company that can invest in the technology that doesn't have to invest in the infrastructure to manage manage time cards, you know, to get payroll through, or you can you can send payroll through faster so that you can focus on other some you know other things uh, within the accounting group, right? I think if you can leverage technology um, on a smaller scale, I think you'll build a lot faster um, as a company and far more efficient. And then you're setting that culture yeah. early on as well. And and that's the big thing is now you don't have a lot of those bad habits. You can start programming your business to operate that way exactly from day one, yep. and and then it, now you're you're just with with that alone, you're way ahead of another contractor that doesn't use technology that's bigger because they're going to have to reprogram their whole business to operate completely differently. Oh yeah, than I 
Like, I, you know, the company that comes to mind here in town for sure is Rosso. Yep. I've talked about them a bunch. I think they've been so effective and so efficient because they've programmed technology into their business from the beginning. Mm -hmm. So they don't have much of a problem with adoption and utilization and yep. putting it to work. It's just, it's part of the business. Well, there is the, this is the way we've always done it. There is none of that. Right. There is no, like, yeah. remember when we did it on uh, time cards? No, I don't because the company just day one started putting on digital time cards. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I think a smaller company, you're going to be a lot closer to the ownership um, in terms of when you're investing or implementing that technology. So the direction is going to come from the top. Right. You know, and so they're going to be the ones investing it because they, they're looking at every single dollar because they can, because they're on that smaller scale. And so when they say we're going to go into digital time cards, they're going to want to get as much ROI out of that di that digital time card as they possibly can. And they see the value in it because they're they're a lot closer to it. I mean, early to our earlier conversation, you're getting out of the trenches. I'm getting out of the trenches, right? But the owners now are still close enough to the trenches that they're able to go, this is how I want to use it. This is the data that I want out of it. And they can hold that accountability so that they can get exactly what they want to get out of it. Um, and I've, I've seen the opposite of that, where it'll be a big company. The owners will go make this enormous software buying decision. Yep. They'll go spend oftentimes millions of dollars on the software yep. and then just go stick the field, the field department, you know, operations, whomever, project management estimating with the software. And like, hey, we spent a, money, a bunch of money on this, so just figure it out. Yeah. And, and, then, and then everybody's standing there with their hands out like, what the hell? This stuff sucks. <laughs> why, why, why weren't we involved? Because we're the ones that have to use it here. Exactly. And it's so dysfunctional and everybody is pissed off about it and it never works out. Well. And that's just it. Like, I mean, I, like you said earlier on about an, uh, the engineer kind of having to be humble. Like, I, I know a lot of this stuff is valuable, right? But, you know, when it comes to grade control, I'm not going to go up to a, a 60 or 70 year old operator if they're still in the seat. And go, this stuff can help you. You got to do it because the first thing they're going to do is tell me to pound sand, right? You yeah, know, it's rightfully so. Right, exactly. Um, yeah. But if you can kind of slow play it and you can say, you can start showing them benefits and you can, know, oh, yeah, like kind of having it be their idea, give them those aha moments. I think, you know, engage the end user. We just uh, implemented a digital safety platform here two years ago. And uh, we went through a pilot program and we just, we brought all the end users in. We brought, you know, 10, 15 guys and said, Give her hell, use it. This is your new GHA. This is your new toolbox talk. And and based off of their feedback, that's how we 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 um, uh, we wrote, we implemented. You know that we need to do this. We need to do that. This is going to make us easier. This you know, and we kind of all work together because at the end of the day, they're the ones using it. Like, and w the the system will be far more valuable, and we'll get far more out of the system if the end users believe in it as much as the the people that are investing in it do. So. I think that's that's the biggest thing. Your your people are the the most important at the end of the day. And if you're going to just shove things down their throat, it's not gonna it's not gonna be beneficial for anybody. I think it's just going to fall flat on its face nine times out of ten. The, this is getting me thinking. The interesting thing about technology too is that it's really up to you to make it successful or not. Yeah, because the, the training that these technology companies offer is not always the most helpful if they even offer it. Like that is one of the biggest complaints with, I mean, like I love SciTech, but that's probably one of the biggest complaints with somebody like SciTech because just the demand has way outpaced their capabilities is 
we can't, we can't, we can't get a guy out here. And if you don't have those internal capabilities, those internal people, the desire to make it successful internally, it's never, it's never going to work out. No, 100%. Well, I mean, you get out what you put in. I mean, if somebody's just going to go implement technology, whether it's grade control on a dozer or whether it's a digital time card system, like if you just put it out there and say, yeah, technology is going to, I mean, we don't have to manage it, give her hell, right? Like you're not going to, it's going to fail. I'll tell you right now, it's going to fail. You know, yeah. you have to own yeah. it. You have to be intentional about it. You have to move forward with it. And like you say, put a guy in charge of it and and do your training. I think, and we're, we're extremely lucky. Our SciTech, um, both uh, regionally here is, is, is great. They're, they're one of our biggest assets when it comes to helping out if we need help out our support system or, or everything else. And kind of you talk about um, support too, is you got to have support. Like this stuff is going to break. Like you just have to, pull, you know, and I, there's kind of like a, a fallacy to an extent that the technology doesn't break. And when the, as soon as it does, the, the, or, yeah, well, let's just go to put in stakes in the ground that never breaks, you know? And it's like, yeah, I had, yeah. I got a, an argument with a, a, a super once they're like, this is garbage. Get it off of my job. Cause a coil cable went out. Right. And I was like, all right, sounds good. And I was a soup at the time I was kind of the support slash soup. Right. Send it on up here. And he's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, I'll take it. I'll take an extra GPS dozer. Well, it's garbage. It's broken. Mm-hmm. Like, give me about an hour and it'll be fixed. I was like, you, you got to yeah. understand that like, this is no different than a piece of iron. Like hoses break, fuel filters go. Like you have to manage it. You have to maintain it. You have to like, you have to have an expectation that the machine is going to go down or that the technology is going to go down. Um, yes. And I, just to clarify, not picking on SciTech. Everybody with SciTech I've ever met is absolutely wonderful. Oh, yeah. It's just if you, it, they're just stretched so thin yeah. right now that if you don't have some internal capabilities as yep. well, you're you're not going to be able to use the technology as effectively as it should be. That's just the that's just what absolutely I've seen. that is a hundred percent. I mean, and I think it's unfortunately it's the job market. <laughs> a um, you know we've got a GPS uh, specialist um, role posted right now and um the the applications are not flooding in let's just say that (laughs) so it's just yeah i mean it's it's challenging to just get help and people that want to do this and it's uh, that are good at it right and it's like you say everybody's really really stretched thin but unfortunately they have a they're in a service orientated industry and it it, um, you know they get a bad rap because of it well and they're they're dealing with people that are used to dealing with traditional technicians which is like just Yep. Just fix the damn yep. thing. And and the cat dealers have built and, and just dealers in general yep. have built huge infrastructures to fixing things when they break. Yep. But the infrastructure to fix technology when it breaks is just has not caught up. No, quite yet. and I'll say like most of the I mean some most of them it's easy. I mean, troubleshooting, you can you can break it down to an antenna, you can break it down to a coil cable, you can break it down, but like there's some things that you just got to have an expectation. It's going to take a long time to fix. And like, yeah. that's not as normal in a uh, heavy iron um, world. Right. I mean, typically <clears throat> like it's your injector, it's your, you know, it's air fuel and uh spark. Right. So it's like, it's one of those three. So what, so great control software, cool stuff. What other types of technology do you guys have cooking right now? Um, so I, I mean, drones, you could throw that on the list. So we, we run two sure. fixed wing drones and a, and a quadcopter as well. So, 
Um, I think our biggest thing with like, uh, as a complement to the grade control is a connected workflow. Um, and for an explanation of what that is, it's um, every asset is connected to the internet. So we have a modem or a data plan on all 90 assets that we have for, for, for uh, grade control and GPS. What that enables us to do is, is manage all of our systems from one office um, with three people, basically. So we push all of our data up to the cloud and it all goes, that's how we fit tra or transfer all of our data is through the cloud. So we push it up there. Dozers will pull it down when they pull onto the job sites into the geofence. Same with the rovers. They just reach out when they're on the, on the job and they can pull the job down um, through a sync process. Uh, and another part of that is we can log into the systems and see what the operator sees. We can um, help on the the, uh, the rovers. Like if somebody's, we can work in a training scenario too. Like, oh, this isn't working. Uh, we can diagnose something. We can work in, hey, I'm working on trying to stake out this line. How do you do that? I can take over the rover all from a remote location. Um, it also enables us to yeah. do VRS. So we can take like a virtual reference, to, reference station or our VRS network, which is, basically corrections your base station through the internet or cloud. So now we've got a backup when our, our base station goes down, we can fall back on VRS or we don't have a base station. We can just use VRS. We just have options and we, we're very, very flexible and we can pivot in those environments. Um, and then we can, we can keep the uptime on the machines because we know exactly what is wrong with it. Before we go there, we can order the part and then we can send somebody else. So I think that's been our biggest biggest thing that's helped us. And and having all of this through one central point is probably pretty important for a company like Vite too, because you guys are way spread out. Yeah. Yeah. We, it is nice to have it through the Rogers location. I will say that um, that position that we're posting for is Milwaukee, just to kind of broaden our footprint. Um, because the, the boots on the ground is an extremely part of, or important part of this, to be able to, to diagnose a sensor that you can't diagnose from the office or something like that. But to have it all go through Two or three people is extremely helpful. So, so to summarize, you guys are hiring a GPS specialist in <laughs> Milwaukee. Milwaukee, yes, we are. Yes, we are. <laughs> so, if you're a GPS specialist, listen to this and looking for a job in Milwaukee with Vite, let Britain know. Shoot me a message. <laughs> so, um, is that is is connecting everything through something like Vision Link, or is that through E360, or is that through something? Um, long answer is yes, but. Um, we're doing everything uh, completely different. It's through the Trimble ecosystem. So there's a modem that goes on to the, with the overlay kits for the GPS. And so that's how everything's connected. So um, we are doing telematics and all that other connection too. Um, okay. So you're just talking about the actual GPS mm -hmm. system. Yep. Uh, this stuff is really complicated. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, I, I just... I'm not technologically yeah. inclined. Well, it's um, interesting. So it, a, a lot of it goes over. Uh, you, you keep up. You're fine. <laughs> I know. I know enough to have a conversation like right. this. But when it's when it comes down to actually teaching someone how the grade control and a grader works, I don't think I would do that. <laughs> You'd run it though. You'd give it a whirl. <laughs> I'd give it a whirl. I know. I'm. I'm. I'm a damn good grade control yeah, hand. Just ask you. If I have the model plugged in, I'm set up, I can press the auto button and I can make it go forward and I will be dead nuts on grade every time. Anybody can run it, right? Isn't that what they say about grade control? Just put anybody in the seat. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
it is when it's working well, it is idiot proof. Right, yeah. uh, but then when it doesn't work well, that's when yeah. skill comes at fault. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I mean, our good grade control operators are, uh, are extremely good dozer operators with or without, and, you know, and, and how you move the dirt and how you efficiently move the dirt. And then when you actually hit the autos button. So if they listen to this, I don't want to take away from that. So it's just, it's just another Absolutely. tool. I, I think the people that, I don't, I don't even know why there's an argument about the whole grade control, not grade control thing. It's, it's just, it's another tool. Uh, and I think it should be used as such. And I think it's pretty agreed upon that it makes good operators even yeah. better. I, I don't, I don't even know why there's an argument. It's, it's a stupid, it's a stupid thing to argue. It's a pride thing. I think, I mean, I get a lot of comments on Instagram. It, I think it's like, is. Oh, yeah. old school. Where's the old operator? I'm like, I know a lot of really good operators that are GPS dozer operators that are making, they're far better with the GPS and they're really good without it. So it's totally, I mean, I don't know how you can argue. Well, I don't have to wait for stakes and I don't have to wait for somebody to come offset the stakes and I don't have to, you know, like in a string line and it just speeds up process so much and gives you so much information about the plan. So now you can start building your boulevards and your subgrades. And, and now you don't have to, when you, after your curb goes in, you don't have to take out a bunch of material or, or, or put a bunch of material in cause you took too much out. I, I there's just arguments are, are they can go on and on and on. I, yeah, I just don't get it. And, and frankly, all the best operators I've been around, they're humble enough to to admit it's like, hey, if there's something else that helps me do my job better, heck yeah, I'll at least give it right. a shot. Absolutely, I think those are the good ones. Yeah, like I was with a mechanic um, with Carter a few weeks ago, and they were talking about they do everything on iPad yeah. now, so all their technicians carry around an iPad, and do, you know, it's just the, the nature of being a technician these days in 2021. And he said he was like. And he's, I think he's been at Carter for 42 years. I think when we were there, it was like his 42nd anniversary wow. at the company, which is just insane. <laughs> uh, and that's the kind of stuff you don't find in other industries, yeah. I feel like, is somebody that's been at the same company for four decades. Um, but he, he, he was just like, well, I could either bitch about it or I can just give it a shot and make it work because it's not going away anytime right. soon. And it's like, yeah, it, it, just because you bitch, it, it's not going away anytime soon. And it's probably going to make you better. And he's like, yeah, and it's actually, now that I've started to use it, it's actually gotten pretty cool. It's well, funny when you get those aha moments. We, we poured all of our telematics into E360. So all of our, our um, technicians have the iPad. And so when they get dispatched to a piece of equipment, you know, the, this, the uh, shop manager says, go to this dozer it's at this job site. Well, they look it up to get directions to said job site. And then they realize that the telematics pinged it on another job site. So they're actually, no, it's actually here. I can go there now, saving them all mm -hmm. sorts of time. Like there's just little things that they're like, yeah, this is awesome. I love it. Not everybody has completely bought into it, but the majority of them have. And it's, it, those are my favorite moments when people are like, this stuff is really cool. I had a guy call me, we have uh, uh, a digital plan collaboration tool called plan grid. And, you know, early on, they're like, yeah. no, I like my paper plans. I like this, you know, and, uh, you know, one guy in particular calls me, he goes, you know, this stuff isn't so bad. It's pretty neat. I can, you know, I can measure, I can see what everybody else did. Like he goes, this is pretty cool. So I said, I knew you'd come around. <laughs> well, 
And in, in, in my short experience managing humans, I've learned that everybody learns at their yeah. own rate. And you, you need to have, you need to have patience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and even if it's stupid, obvious to you, it, it probably not obvious to someone that's been doing it the one way for, for 30 no. years. And you need to just go at their pace and approach it with humility and, and just go and slow uh, and wait for them to figure it out yep. and listen. Absolutely. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? And I think like yeah. when we do our trainings, like my, my objective when we do our trainings is not so that you are a pro when you walk out of a training. My objective is for you to understand that there is a feature that exists and a workflow that exists that can benefit you in your day-to-day process. And when you get to that workflow in three weeks or three months from now, I want you to go, there is a process. There is something that was really, really cool, I thought, in that class, but I don't know how to do it. And then when you say, do I ever not give out my number? Like, I want you to call me and I'll walk you through that, you know, so that it helps you and it can help you in your process and save you time to better build your job. Like if the last time you spend on, I mean, I'm being counterintuitive here, but the last time you spend on the technology, the more time you're actually, you know, um, building the job and doing the thing that you're good at. Right. So, yeah, but yeah, you just got to listen and just, it's have humility. So how do you guys train so many people on all this stuff? And especially with everybody so spread out? It's a good question. Um, so the first year, you know, we really focused on the, the digital um, safety plan. So we went out and saw every single group. We got them down into 10 to 12 people. And, and it was a month and a half of training people. I think we have over 120 users in that um, digital safety portal. Um, yeah, I mean, that's basically a heavy job. Um, so we went through there and, and just and trained on that. And we went into small groups. And then there's follow-ups after that as people out in the field. Um, we tried to leverage our, our champions, too, from the pilot program. You know, so we embedded one of those people in each of those classes so that they could kind of be that internal resource as well if, if John or I were not available. Um, and then from there, you know, COVID hit, so we didn't really do any trainings last year. But, um, you know, we're talking about doing a, a week-long training or just an extended training here coming up in the wintertime that we can start to to talk about evolving some of the features and really drilling down and and as we kind of continue to, to grow. Um, the other thing I used to do, I used to do something called tech tip, uh, Vite tech tips. So I haven't done it for a little while, but I'd send out a two minute short, short hit video of this is how you measure. This is how you, you know, select all on your things. Those aha moments, right. Um, that would be like, Oh, that, you know, and when somebody would email me or text me and be like, that just saved me a ton of time. That's so cool. I didn't know you could do that. Like that's again, what makes it worth it. I just, it was very, very time consuming. So I, I have not done it, but um, I think it was a beneficial thing. I just um, like all things, I just lost some of the time. So I get that. Uh, going to the videos and that kind of stuff, you for a while now have posted quite a bit on social yeah. media, which I think has been very cool. And you've almost positioned yourself as a technology expert in the industry, which is also very cool. Scary. What are the more common? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be careful right. what you wish for. Um, you you had mentioned before. This is something that I'm commonly asked. What are you commonly asked? What are the most asked questions um, on social media? Because I'm sure you get all kinds of questions with where you're at. Online. Yeah, I get a couple. I mean, some of a lot of it is just like, can you do this? You know, like. 
laser system to to GPS? Can I run this laser system with this GPS unit? Can uh, like how do you do this? Um, you know, a lot of times it's just asking opinions on, um, you know, what brand? Uh, what would you hear? Um, one of them, the bigger ones lately is I'm, I'm I'd like to get into technology. How do I get into technology? I want to be a, a GPS yeah. guru, if you will. Like, how do you, how do you learn about it? So, um, I try and answer them all as honestly as I possibly can. There's, you know, and especially with that question, there's not a, there's, there's not a direct path. You can't go sign up at, at school for it and go, you know, to your trade school and say, I want to be a GPS tech, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, at, at that point it kind of comes back to experience. So those are some of the bigger things that, uh, that people have been asking lately. So, well, but if you're, so if you're working for a company, you're young, you want to get into the technology space. I think just showing that you're interested in the technology is a great first step because almost guaranteed your company does not have the horsepower it needs behind the technology they're trying to implement. So they're, they're on board for any help they can. I mean, that's exactly how I, uh, how I ended up in my roles. So like I, I was, I went and had a meeting with them and, and uh, the Ziegler salesman and said, this is a cool tool. I think you guys should invest in it. And they ended up investing in it. And I think I ran it for a couple of months and they said, you are now our GPS guru. And that was my title GPS guru, because I was the only person that took any aptitude that I could turn on, turn it on and off. I mean, I, I really knew very little about it. I was just interested in it. I had a passion for it. I had an aptitude for it. So like, you're in charge. I'm like, all right, sounds good. But it's, yeah. it's crazy. But it's funny, those forks in the road too, well, because as soon as I, I drop down onto the ground, you know, then all of a sudden you're running projects. So you're a GPS guru. So you're going to run that rover. So well, as long as you're on the ground, now you're going to be laying things out. As long as you're here, why don't you run this spread? And it's like, it just blossoms from there. So Yeah, I... The opportunity with technology in, in the industry is it, it's infinite at this point. It's not no, going away. No. Uh, it's only going in one direction. So if you position yourself as someone who who knows this stuff, embraces this stuff, can actually push it to its yeah. limits, you're you're going to become stupid valuable yeah. in this world. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like I think it's still in its infancy. I mean, if you look at all the other markets totally. and industry that's that has adopted and streamlined technology. I mean. We are just in the very, very infancy stages of it, even though we're, you know it's a, a big technology kick. But the organization of the data, the organization of people understanding the industry, the understanding of of how things are coming together, I think is um, it's only just a springboard to where it's gonna go. So um, I think it's it's exciting to say the least. So we're we're only getting started. It is gonna be wild if this industry can figure some things out, and you know. Even God bless them, but even the equipment manufacturers, one of the biggest complaints I have, and I hope to give uh, the makers of my skid steer this feedback <laughs> at some point. Is this av- so they put all after this- they give you crap for painting in a, a milking cow or what? <laughs> I, you know, I haven't heard too much about that from from the powers above, but I'm sure it oh, made its I'm rounds, sure it or at least I hope it did. Um, so they, they, they put all this technology in these machines, but the, the interface, the actual computer screen and the user experience is so bad. 
so bad. It's it is maddening because I go for my iPhone, which is just beautiful and simple. And it's just so enjoyable to be. I just want to be on my iPhone all day. That's why iPhone is, that's why these damn phones are so oh, yeah. popular. And, and Apple is the most profitable company in the United States, in the world mm-hmm. for a reason. And then I go try to figure out some setting on my skid steer. And it is, it is just stupid. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, can't you guys hire some UX developer out of Silicon Valley who has this stuff figured out? Because I don't want to use your technology if it's annoying to oh, use yeah. like this. I couldn't agree more there. So it's just, and I'll get off my right? soapbox, but it pisses oh, me off. And then even too, like you put all this technology in it and like I was, my, my story is always like, you know, you know, for lack of a better term with cat grade control, right? It says that right on the side of the machine, that means you've got 2d yeah. integrated scale or 2d integrated grade control and you got 2d or, uh, uh, integrated scale on it payload. And I asked one of the foremen out there, I was like, hey, do you use the 2D grade control in this thing? No, it doesn't have antennas on it. I'm like, no, but it's integrated. <laughs> it's in the system. Like you get into these systems yeah. and these these operators run this equipment, no matter the brand, and they have no idea that there's automatic grade control on it, even though there's no no antennas on it. It's 2D integrated. And then even if they yes. do, they don't know how to set it up. And same with payload. Like it, you know, like or a scale feature on the machine. Like it's like that would be my biggest complaint is that there is no the the training and the the transparency and the like. Not everybody is on social media, unfortunately. So um, to get that education and knowledge out into the the end users' hands, um, I think it's been lackluster. So well, and this is like one of our company values is kiss, keep it simple, stupid for a reason, and that's. This this is a very simple industry, and that's not to say it's stupid. Nope. It's just simple. We push dirt around. We're just simple exactly. folk. And even though, and the engineer will say, "Well, it says integrated grade control on the side of the machine." It's like, but they still didn't right. figure it out. So here you go. And I just had to have this conversation with someone within our company the other day. Is I said, "Hey, I you know been collecting some temperatures here and." They don't understand this and, and they, they really don't understand it. And they, their response was, well, you know, it, it was in bold. Like we, we've, we've bolded it and it's like, yeah, but they've still, they don't understand it. This is not how these people digest information and learn. They, they're, they're hands on. They're, they're very simple. We, we need to meet yeah. them where they are just because they're not understanding what we're saying. Doesn't mean they're idiots and we're right. It's, no, it, we're, yeah, we're the I think one of the biggest biggest skills that can be learned learned or or um, acquired is to be able to step back and look at yourself and go, how did I communicate that? Did I communicate that clearly, or what do I got to do to communicate that? And just, I mean, if somebody doesn't understand it, you know, whether it comes to grade control or whether it comes to the scales or training or anything else, it's just you got to take a step back. I think is is a valuable lesson. Totally. Well, even how I communicate how stupid the user experience is on my skid steer. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say you guys are idiots, like I'm saying right now on this podcast (laughs) that no one listens to. I, because that, that's, that's poor communication. I'm going to say I would be much more inclined to use all of your really cool features. If the user experience was cleaner, simpler, Mm -hmm. more thought out, maybe that's how I'd frame it. 
give some ideas you know? or yeah yeah absolutely it's just like this is stupid yeah, yeah what's yeah. stupid about it like yes you're not gonna but, but that's what podcasts are for i can just talk <laughs> exactly. shit, uh, and get myself in trouble yeah. but as far as communication actually trying to create change i would try to bring them along and and you want to make it their idea like you've said probably yeah. five times now well and, and like we do a lot of work with with um some of the oems and that's like some of the customer panels and whatnot so it's that's it's the only way to move the industry forward. And, and the thing that you you learn is a lot of the the um, OEMs don't as much have as much customer facing um, people as you think they do. You know, so they're just they're really no. really yearning for this information direct from the customer uh, directly from the customer. So, and they have a lot of aha moments. They're like, oh, that's not what we heard. I'm like, oh no, you, you know. So it's it's the only way that the equipment's going to get better it's the only way the uis are going to get better it's the only you know all of that it's i think it's they 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 ask for that honest opinion they ask for like what's wrong with it yeah you you and 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 i have made this mistake a very long you think these big companies have this good understanding of of how things actually play out in the mm-hmm. field and 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 they don't a lot of times nope. and it's not their fault they're just so yep. disconnected and like when an OEM shows up on a job site to go talk to operators, sure, you're, you're getting operator feedback, but it's still skewed at the same time. And that's not natural to them. You, you know, the OEM showing up on the job site and, and then, you know, you're showing up on, you can only show up on so many job sites, but there's a million different applications for a single oh, yeah. bulldozer. So you're only getting just glimpses into the different applications. It's, Oh, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. fascinating. I'm sure in your travels, you've seen just how, like, from industry wide, like, one industry, I'm sure California uses motor graders, right? A lot, or central, uh, central yes. United States uses track loaders all the time, you know? Like, you, you're hard pressed to oh, see yeah. any track loaders yeah. around us, you know? And it's sand cans, right? You know, we put sand buckets on all of our machines regionally, you know? And that's a, a big hubbub on social right now. So it's just, I mean, it's just interesting to see. So for the, the manufacturers, to not only hit like a, a U.S. market, but a global market to understand that like in Europe, they do everything with excavators, 20 ton excavators. Like that is their, like, they grade everything. And we're like, no, we'll, we'll grade a road out with a dozer. Or we'll grade a road out with a motor grader, you know, but they're grading roads out with their driveways yeah. out with excavators. And it's like, okay. Well, it's, it's uh, Lee, Lee Bear. I had a call with Lee Bear probably yeah. a year ago. <laughs> And that and and that was what they were asking was, so like, how are we perceived in the United States? And and I'm sitting there like, you don't get, you guys don't know I, because I'm I'm just some punk right. ass kid that that talks shit on my dirt talk podcast and takes pictures like why why are you asking me I thought you guys are the multi billion dollar right. company that has everything yeah. figured out here but the funny thing is they they're really genuinely curious they and they they no. they don't know. Um, which makes where we're at more valuable. But if you're next time you're sitting in one of these voice of customer yeah. meetings, yeah. these panels, tell, please God, use your experience. <laughs> your technology is fantastic, but but just pick up an iPhone, use it, yeah. and just take that and put it App into your based, damn right? machine. Yeah. <laughs> They're just just simple. Or like I'm trying to figure out the Bluetooth on my damn radio, and it sucks. It's I don't. I don't know how to figure it out. It's the stupidest thing. And I'm like, why is it so stupid? Why is it so stupid? Because I'm used to, it's 2021. 
I am a kid. I'm used to things being easy. And this is, this hit, is not easy. Exactly. And I do not you just enjoy hit pairing it. and all of a sudden your, 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 your Bluetooth is connected, right? But <laughs> yeah. Or you just talk to it and say, Hey, pair my phone. And then there you go. I my think, phone's paired, but this thing you, you have to figure out. I think Gerdin oh, just God. got a, a YouTube video on pairing Bluetooth. <laughs> I so. Does he? <laughs> on a loader. I was just, I, I just visited uh, visited Tom this past I week. I saw that. Yeah, and his new Kong on his three thirty five. It's a pretty yeah, good looking I'm machine. Huh? Jealous, so we yeah. just got to try one out this week. It's yeah, pretty, pretty unreal. So the Kong, but that thing, yeah, it has yeah, he had three thirty five next gen Encon monster yeah. Encon, and then um, what else? Oh, yeah, yeah. full great. Yeah. See that's that's a that's a great example of a small company um, adopting grade control and and that's how they do business. It might, it was it was funny. So Pat Pat Allen he was running the three thirty five and he was using the the grab on the Encon to take some limbs off of a tree yeah. that were in the way when they were doing a, yeah. a service a water water service and and Tom is he's standing right next to me he's like. Just tell everybody, Encons are the stupidest <laughs> thing. I do not buy them. They're the absolute worst. They will make you no money at all. And as you just said, they're the biggest <laughs> grin on his face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're they're not efficient whatsoever. No, nope. I don't know why you would have one. So. Nope. Um, same with great control. Yeah, tell Very everybody stupid. no. Don't get great control. But... <laughs> Well, I will. I will let you get back to your your Sunday. If people want to see your stuff on the internet, yeah, uh, I am at uh, Technology Sandbox, Technology underscore Sandbox on Instagram and Facebook, um, and YouTube. I guess. So. Good. Yeah, I, I would highly recommend following along with you for people listening because you, you you seriously have some really solid stuff. On I try. There. I try and keep it. Yeah. What'd you say? Kiss. Keep it simple. Stupid. Simple. Yeah. Keep it simple, stupid. I try and keep it yeah. simple, stupid. Just like, simple, I stupid. don't try and get into the weeds a whole lot. So um, I, you know, but yeah, absolutely. Well, and your perspective is valuable too, because you're from the contractor perspective. You're not uh, a, you know, SciTech salesman. You're not a Incon salesman. You're not a equipment salesman. You're you're not trying to sell no. anybody anything. You're just like, hey, here's the technology we use. And yeah, here's how we yeah use absolutely. It. It's just a passion. I just like to share it with with everybody. Anybody that can um, that I can help use it better is just I find gratification in it. So super cool. Well thanks for yeah thanks absolutely for by, I Britain. appreciate it. I'll have to have you by uh have you in Nashville one of these yeah days. I'm looking forward to that. I gotta stop by and see the studio one of these days in the uh the new office there. Yeah. So there's some cool yeah. stuff. The the wall art is intriguing. So, uh, yeah, it's almost done. We're in in. Trust me, version two. I have. Oh, even I can more imagine. Ideas. You you're probably getting with Vaughn then to uh, help you with your office. I need to hire. <laughs> I, I know. I need to hire. I, I need to hire Vaughn as a consultant. He'll make you a good office. <laughs> I, I yeah, I need to hire him as a consultant because just the even outside of the Vite office, how damn clever the Rogers yeah. office is. It, it, the, like the dozer lights in the window and the 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 edging is, is for the for the lawn and the the original cat dozer and the 
ex- uh, the crane with the clamshell right? through the damn building. It's oh yeah, it's, it's just crazy. Wacky. It's I, we take it for granted because we come in there every single day. But I mean, it's like when people come and you get to give them a tour, they're like just blown away. Like when we bring your crew in and you guys get to see it, knowing how many offices you guys go to, and they're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Uh, yeah. it's, it's pretty cool yeah. to work there. So. It's very cool. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks, thanks for having by. me. I appreciate it.